Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 5. This is Lesson 25, and we're on page 45 of Chapter 18. And we're going to begin in Luke Chapter 16. I'm not going to... Well, I should do a review. <laughs> we're discussing the wo- woes right now, very quickly. And uh, these are actually unique uh, to Luke's Gospel. And we began looking at it in... Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through to 26 is where it's covered. I'll just quickly read the woes on page 43. That's in my book anyway. Uh, At the top of the page, it says that Jesus uh, says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now, I really went through this very quickly last time. Uh, so maybe it's worth just having a, a quick look as we go through this. I want you to, I'll just make some comments. Um, with verse 24, Jesus has got to the place where he, he's not against you being rich or happy. Okay, or any of those things. It's the way you've become rich. And the reason why you're happy. Those are the things that are an issue here. And so, for those who are rich, these are people that were rich at the expense of others. These are people who had riches and they didn't want to share it with anybody. So, we're really looking at, you know, Jesus talking about people that really, you know, are not sharing. They're not blessing people with what they have. They've been blessed and they're not blessing anybody else. And, um, and these are people, again, that from the sense of these verses, didn't get their money legally. Can I just say that? Okay? And so, because there are people out there, and this is what happens a lot of times, you know, people in, you know, God's people are looking and saying, how come people that are dishonest are, you know, got millions and they're living in luxury and here we are, you know, we're doing the right thing and we're struggling. And, you know, we can get to that place and Jesus is actually dealing with that and saying, woe to those people that think that they've got away with it. Woe to those people that have all of this stuff and, you know, they got it not God's way. There is a justice in this universe. Not just on this earth, but in this universe. God is the judge. And He watches over everything and every action that everybody takes. Are you all here? Amen? And so, Jesus is warning those people that think they've got away with things and saying, you really have not. Hence the woes. (laughs) Okay? All right. And He's... we looked at, so I want to make more comments, but let me just get on with this. We looked at um, Luke chapter 12, verse 16, in relation to the first one, last time. And remember again that this was a man that, it, it talks about the ground of a certain rich man that yielded plentifully. I'm on, I'm on page 43. Uh, and he thought to himself, you know, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Remember all that? And he says, I'll do this, I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good goods laid up for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, here's the wall. Okay? God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you, then whose will these things be which you have provided? So he's provided for himself, and you know what? When he dies, all the stuff he provided for himself is not going to be there for him anymore. It's, you, know, you can't take this stuff with you. 
Amen? And says, so is it who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So that's the first wall, okay? They're not rich toward God. They might be rich down here. And see, a lot of people get this mixed up too. You know, a lot of people say, well, you don't really have riches. And yeah, they do. They actually do. But they're not rich towards God and their wealth will pass away. Amen? All right. Um, so we, we talked last time and we looked at Mark 10.24 and we looked at the, the fact that Jesus was discussing, the, uh, you know, was really talking about people who trust in riches. And those are the people that have trouble entering the kingdom of God. Not people who have riches, but people who put their trust in riches. And that's the difference. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's why we looked at Matthew 6.24 where Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Because that's what happens when you trust riches. You serve it as a master. And it is a very cruel and, and hard taskmaster. And he says you'll either hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money or mammon. And it was meant to be the God of money there. Anyway, Luke 6.24 he says at the end, remember again, he says, For you have received your consolation. Uh, and in other words, you know, this was all the reward they were going to get. And as William Hendrickson put it, for their everlasting future, they, they have provided exactly nothing. <laughs> okay? They have nothing of real value to look forward to. And then this is around here is where we left off last week. So we've caught up. Okay, so continuing on to the second woe, Jesus goes to say, the first part of Luke 6.25, He says, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. In other words, in an effort to fill themselves up with all kinds of earthly pleasures, they're going to discover that there is an inner emptiness, a maddening ache, a ravening hunger that can never be alleviated. And that will be carried into eternity. I think this is really key. It's a hunger and an emptiness that you carry all the way into hell. And it is never filled. Amen? Are you all with me? It is, it is a... Are we, all, are, we all stuck? are we stuck somewhere? Are we all good? Okay. Alright. I know I've been racing through this, so I know people are having trouble keeping up with me here. Uh, but it's, a, it's an emptiness and a hunger. See, this is the difference between heaven and hell. When you go to heaven, you're filled. Hallelujah. When you go to hell, it gets worse. Doesn't get better. So if you had, you know, those people that just think they've had a really bad life and they just think they're just going to end it. And you know, guess what? You don't end it. You just enter another phase. Another, uh, uh, I don't want to call it a season, but another cycle of your life. And this one ends for, and this one lasts forever basically. And it's worse. Amen. And you, know, and you need to, that's the reason why, you know, we, when we tell people to receive Jesus Christ as Lord, it's not so that they can get religion. It's so that they can get a life, <laughs> you know, and a better life. Because Jesus paid with His life for us to have a better life. Amen. So, we see an excellent example of what Luke is talking about, or what Luke uh, writes down as Jesus saying, when He says, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. An excellent example in Luke chapter 16. So let's go there and have a look. Luke chapter 16, I'm going to begin in, uh, in verse 19. This of course is the story of the rich man in Lazarus. It is a true story. <laughs> some people say, it's this and that. It's true, man. We named somebody. Somebody went out and looked up all this, because they just did not want to believe it was true. So they came up with all these explanations about, oh, this word means this, and this word means that. And you know, I love a meaning of words and stuff, okay? And I think you can gain a lot from that, but not at the cost of turning a real story into a fable. 
Are you all here? You know, and, and there are some uh, you know, commenters out there that just take everything and just turn it into something else. And just be careful of that when you're reading stuff, that sometimes they do go too far. They do read too much into things, in a sense. And I, you know, yes, there are inferences to things, but you need to understand that what is in front of you, that's what is being said right there, needs to be taken first. Then the inferences, you know what I'm trying to say? And so this guy, you know, convinced himself because it didn't fit his doctrine. <coughs> he convinced himself that this wasn't a real story. That this was just kind of one of those things that was, you know, like a puzzle that you had to solve and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, there's a guy, you know, there's a guy in hell and there's Lazarus in heaven, okay? <laughs> okay, following Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So let's read here. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19, he says, There was a certain, certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar, and again, when, he, when Jesus says a certain beggar and a certain rich man, he is talking certainly about somebody certain. Sorry about the certains, okay? <laughs> I'm certain about that. Okay, so he says, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Verse 21. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. I really love this because I, it shows that those that are in God have those, you know, those angels are the angels that are looking after you. Those are the angels that watch over you all your life. You know, whenever I pray for you guys at the end of the service, a lot of times I, you know, I don't always catch it, but I, I do like to pray that, God, you know, that the angels of God surround you and go before you and make your way straight. You know, get rid of all the things that the enemy is trying to do in your life. And because that is a very present help. Praise God. And they are real beings, you know. They have feelings too. I think they get it. Yeah, I would be upset if they kept, people kept ignoring me and forgetting I was there. <laughs> you know? So I'm very aware that those guys are there. And we're going to know them one day and know, by, know them by their names and remember all of them. Because there's about 1.5 billion of them. Anyway, there's a lot out there. Okay, <laughs> And you know, I just say, wouldn't that be good? We have all the eternity to get to know them. Amen. Amen. Okay. But I want you to know this. That as a child of God, you are escorted. You're not just left... You die, and you just left there, and you die, and you just kind of, you know, go to hell. Okay? Angels will escort you to where you need to go. You know why? They want to make sure you get there. Nothing's going to get in the way. The devil can't do anything to you. Just know you're safe. It shows a level of care, a love, and concern. Okay? Uh, so it says again, it was... so the. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. That's it, man. <laughs> he died and he got thrown in the box and in the earth. That's the end of it. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay. Right. Now, can I just say, let me, let me stop, stop here for a minute. That does not mean that he didn't have a huge funeral and there was a massive procession, and they weren't carrying little pictures of him, and whoa, he was a, you know, whatever. All of that could happen. But I want you to see what's happening in the spirit realm. He died, the moment he died, he was a nobody, he, was just, he just got sent to hell. While all of these proceedings are taking place, none of that affected where he was going. Listen. You know, some people pay the priests so that they can do bad stuff and get away with it. 
Oh, hey man, the priests are ripping you off. <laughs> okay? When you die, you do the wrong thing, you're going down. It doesn't matter who lights a candle for you. I'm sorry to you know, pop your religion. I'm just telling you, this is how it is. God doesn't care about which priest did a candle. He looks at your heart. What did you do? Amen? If you didn't do well, you're in trouble. Amen? Now, I want you to notice Lazarus, he would have... Listen, he, he probably just got dumped in a grave somewhere. One of those pauper's graves that, you know, somebody thought, well, there's a dead person here. Uh, does somebody want to put him in the ground? That's, that's the relevance. It was in this realm, that's how important he was. But in God's realm, angels come. Oh, hallelujah. They descend, they grab him. Can you just imagine the difference when he dies now, they don't tell us when they died. Sounds like they both died at the same time, but they didn't. But you know something? In the spirit realm, there's no time. So even though some, an event happens now, and then the next event happens in 20 years, this is a very difficult concept. But when there's no time, it doesn't matter when it happens. Do you all understand? So in, in God's time, you can just look at this point here and see the person die. And you don't have to wait 20 years. You just look over here, and there's the next person. So Lazarus died over here, rich man died over here, they both come up. Are you all here? <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> I did a pun. Alright, so getting back to this. It says, so the rich man also died and was buried, verse 23, and being in torments in Hades. So now we see a complete reversal. Alright, the, the poor man was, was begging, he was hungry, the rich man fared sumptuously, now the rich man is in torments. He's not just in hell. Are you all getting this? He's not just in hell, he's in hell and he's in torments. Alright? <clears throat> okay. In Hades, and it says, He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. I, he wasn't close by... It wasn't over the fence, over there is Lazarus, and over here is a rich man. There was a far off, but interesting that he can see. Did you all pick that up? You know how sometimes, you know, I've been to those theaters that you get one of those tickets that's like about, you know, up on the balcony. It's, It's about 60 rows up. (laughs) <laughs> and you look at the bottom and you see little ants running around and you paid 125 bucks to go and see little guys running around down, and you don't know what they're feeling or you can't see their faces or nothing they didn't have a big screen that's all you get you know which is very difficult you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> but here and you don't know here he knows he can see I think it's extraordinary that there is a place where we can we'll get to praise god that we will you know we'll be able to see as far as we want to see amen and i'll leave you with that one it's a big universe anyway he says he lifted up his eyes and saw abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom verse 24 then he cried and said abraham oh, excuse me father abraham have mercy on me and send lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, verse 25, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Woe to you who are full. Watch this. For you shall hunger. He is now saying, please, I need something. In, in his life he was full. In his death he's hungry. You seeing this? Okay. And he says, 
you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. All right, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Wow. And now this leads directly to the third woe, where Jesus says in the latter half of Luke chapter 6 20 and verse 25, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. That is certainly the position of the rich man, which is what I've said here. In, in life he fared sumptuously and would have had much to celebrate and laugh about. But then came the day when he died and lost everything. And in hell, all that was left for him was to mourn and weep. And unlike Lazarus, his tears would never be wiped away. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, listen, you might be sad now, but there's coming a time when all those tears will be wiped away and you'll be happy. But watch out for those people that, you know, live a life that is not right before God. And they're having a great time. And there's coming a day when they'll be in that place where there'll be nobody to wipe their tears away because they'll realize what they did was wrong. And it's a really, uh, <laughs> always remember a Christmas carol. Always remember that, you know, that, that Scrooge got a, got a chance before he died to change his ways. And I believe God's always looking for that for all of us and why he keeps sending people across, you know, you across everybody else's path, <laughs> trying to get them saved because he doesn't want them to end up that way. You know, and what a glorious and blessed change um, that that he, that man had. Anyway, where was I? All right. However, that's certainly not the case for the righteous, because it says and literally promises in Revelation twenty one four. This is what I was talking about. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. That will be the end. Amen? Alright. This leads to the fourth woe, where Jesus says in Luke 6.26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Alright. Leon Morris writes, It is a danger when all men speak well of you. <laughs> we want that, but it's not the best thing. And, you know, for this can scarcely happen apart from some sacrifice of principle. I really like that. See, you need to understand that sometimes when you stand, stand up for your principles, you're not popular. You know, especially today. There are some things that are popular out there that are absolutely wrong. And, and people and nations are celebrating the fact that they can do those things now. And I won't make mention of anything, <laughs> okay? But we all know what we're talking about. You know, and, and they think they've made great advances and they think they've just really, you know, they've joined the 21st century or whatever it is. All they're doing is going backwards. And they're, they're sometimes, you know, what man thinks is progress is actually the exact opposite. And we're going from a place of righteousness back into sin and there's a cycle coming. And we just need to be careful. And this is the reason why I believe that God wants His church glorious. That there is coming this time where right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. And it's all going to get very muddled. But I believe there's going to be a people that will stand and know, regardless of what man says, this is what God says. And we're not being judgmental. Listen, okay? We're not being judgmental, but we know what will send you to hell. Now, we're not going to tell you that because you don't want to hear that. 
But if ever the day comes where you want to find what the truth is, we're there. Amen. And you know the reason why we're there? Because there's never going to come a time when people get to heaven and God says, you know, depart from me. And they say, we had nobody to tell us what we were doing was wrong. Do you hear me? That's why you're there. They say, well, Jamie tried to tell you, Susan tried to tell you, Lionel tried to tell you, Emily tried to tell you. You just, you just said, oh no, you know what, you're all just living in the past, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? They were right. So don't tell me, nobody told you. Yeah, but the government, yeah, they went to hell too. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, sorry. Now let's move on. Principles, we're talking about principles. So there it is. It is true, a sense in which being well thought of by outsiders is important, but that is different from universal pop- popularity. It is the false prophets who win wide acclaim. A true prophet is too uncomfortable to be popular. <laughs> okay, amen. All right. And now, you know, again, please understand, you don't have to be nasty. And you don't have to be uncouth. You don't have to be rude. You can be sweet. But they know, when you look a certain way, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> An ex- excellent example of this, uh, all this is found in Jeremiah chapter 23. Where it says in verses 16 and 17, This is my warning to my people. Notice, my warning to my people, says the Lord Almighty. Do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. Did you get all of that? Okay. Verse 17, They keep saying to these rebels, who despise my word, don't worry. The Lord says, you, ha- you will have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own evil desires, they say, no harm will come your way. Do you understand they're giving them false hope? They are making them feel good. These are the people that come to church and give big offerings because we like this person, because they never say a condemning word to anybody. They're always speaking nice things, and they're always making me feel happy. So I'll give, even though I'm going to hell, because they're telling, they're lying to me. Oh, you might not be going to hell. You're just going to heaven with very little to show for it. Amen. You know, because let me just say that as well. There's there's a belief out there that if you're doing the wrong thing, you're going to hell. You're not. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians talks about carnal Christians. Okay? Which means there's such a thing as a carnal Christian. (laughs) Okay? A dude that doesn't look like a Christian at all. And you even question his salvation. But the dude is still a Christian, but he's carnal. Amen? Okay. Just want to throw that in there before we move on. Alright. God then goes on to say, in verses 21 and 22, I have not sent these prophets, yet they claim to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they prophesy. Let me stop here for a minute. These are professional preachers. Do you understand? There are some that have God's hand on them. And there are some that prepare beautiful sermons. And they deliver them. And they almost read them word for word. And they're very sweet. And they offend nobody. They're politically correct. They're religiously correct. They're just correct in every which way. Except God. (laughs) Okay? And while everybody else is applauding, God isn't. There is silence in heaven. 
They don't hear from God. They're not led by the Spirit. There is no sense of prophetic utterance in anything that they say. But geez, it sounds really good. I'm saying something here for you guys. Okay, I hope you're picking it up. Be careful when something is too polished. Just be careful. Amen? If it doesn't offend you at all, check it out. Something ain't right. (laughs) Something's up. And when I say offend, you know, I don't mean in a nasty, mean way. But, you know, there are some things you listen and you think it sounds nice, but something is very, very wrong. Go with your gut. Something is up. Alright, verse 22. If they had listened to me, they would have spoken my words and turned my people from their evil ways. Listen. It's very sad when ministers stand up and say, oh yeah, this law that they're passing is okay. You know, the Bible does, doesn't really say that that's a bad thing. That's those preachers over there that want to read it that way. Are you all with me? You see, those people that sound like they're talking for God, God says they're not talking for me. In fact, it's confusing people now. You're here. See, let, let me just talk about this for just a minute. The problem is this. Our old religious people have been too judgmental. So there's this other group. You know, the, the far left wing group kind of thing. Okay, This group that says, oh no, we should be tolerable of everything. What's wrong is that they're both wrong. A, they shouldn't have been judging. And then this group would have never risen up. If they didn't judge, and if they did the right thing, if the body of Christ did the right thing, first, number one, don't judge. Speak the word in love. Get it? If we spoke the word in love, and we didn't judge to begin with, then there wouldn't be this problem in society that looks at the church, and says they're condemning these people, and they're you know, speaking, you know, and, and doing... And can I just say, some of those churches have done some very, very bad things. So you see, then, the, then jumps out out of the congregation, somebody that says, oh, we shouldn't be treating people that way. It's doing the right thing the wrong way. Do you get it? And so what they do is the wrong thing the right way. And they say, no, we should tolerate them. And you know what? Let's go and see how we can get them in, regardless of what we think. Let's, let's find a way. I, I told you, I can make Scripture say anything. So I have to be careful that I don't make Him say what I want them to say. My first, you know... Uh, obligation is to God. Number one, I go to Him and say, have I got this right? I don't care what I think about it, have I got it right? And if I do have it right, then, okay, show me all the truth behind it. If I don't, we need to, I need to go another way. I need to change my mind. I need to sort that out straight away. Are you all here? Amen? So what I'm saying is this, so we have people out there now that are speaking, again, we're talking about this here, that are speaking, saying, oh no, you know, we should be tolerant, we should do this and that and everything else, because God's tolerant and He's long-suffering and everything else. See how we can do this, okay? And so we should embrace these people. Hey man, listen, don't give hope in areas where God isn't saying that's okay. What you need to do is love them and say, look, we'll never stop you from coming to church. In fact, please come to church. Can I give this to you? Okay. The response should have been, come to church. Yeah, but you know, they might infect people and do stuff. Hey, 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 listen. 
That's why we pray. Oh, but you don't have time to pray, then you have a problem. Then you better not have them in your church. And you better not be in ministry, by the way. <laughs> okay? Just saying. You, you know, because this, God's church needs to be welcoming. But we can never compromise on the truth. So we need to tell people, listen, if, you, you know, if you're doing something and you're trying to convince yourself that it's the right thing, we're just here to tell you we love you. We're there for you. But if things are going wrong in your life, then you need to know maybe what you're thinking is wrong. Because as far as we read and as far as we can see, that's not right. But we love you. And we'll never tell you to go anywhere else because you've been in here and we just love you regardless. But don't mistake our love for permission. Amen? If only we did that, if only the church did that, we wouldn't have the problem we're having today. Anyway, ooh, I ran out of time. Let me, let me finish with this. But false prophets are looking for everyone to like them, and so they preach messages that the people want to hear. And that, of course, means assuring them that their sin is without consequence. And when we come back, we'll look at in total contrast to this. Just so we have, the, we have a, a picture of the right thing to do, we'll come back, we'll look at that. Okay? Take a break, and we'll be back in five minutes.